Welcome everyone to this new episode of Sales Spin, where we bring the top people in sales in the world and break down the learnings for anyone to understand. Whether you're trying to get into sales or trying to improve your game, there's something for everyone. Our today's guest is the founder of Lavender, a cool sales tech that helps salespeople write better emails. Two weeks ago, he was named LinkedIn Top Voices of 2021 alongside some big names. If you're looking to write better emails or trying to pitch him, you will find gold inside this episode. Do check out trylavender.com and join me in welcoming Will Allred. Welcome, Will, to the show. Um, Yeah, it's great to be here. (laughs) How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Um, Yeah, things have been going well and I'm excited to be chatting with you here today. Likewise, I'm, I'm more excited than you are because uh, you wrestled, yesterday you made the list of LinkedIn top sales voices. So I feel like I'm talking to a celebrity. Oh man. Um, you actually, hear that a lot? <laughs> my, my wife joked to me, she goes, you're officially an influencer. And I was like, oh, get out of here. <laughs> um, you are, yeah, there's no denying about it. It, it was um, a surprise to say the least. I, I did not expect to make any list. I certainly wasn't like gunning for any list. Um, yeah. I think about like the folks who've gotten it like last year, like you got Morgan Ingram, Amy Bolas, KD. I'm like, those are, those people are like, you know, yeah, Mount Olympus. And here I am like just writing about cold email. So I was, I was a bit shocked. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I wasn't shocked to be honest when I saw Justin, I mean, that was a no brainer. I saw you, that was a no brainer. I don't know everybody uh, on the list. I think I know Gabriel. So that was a no brainer. Kyle Coleman was like definitely expected. So, um, yeah. and actually you mentioned Gabriel, Justin, Kyle, and Alexine. Those are the ones I, I actually knew all of them and for every mm-hmm. single one that got it. Like I was, not shocked at all and then there's some new folks that I, I get to now engage with and get to know whereas i told them all we're now bonded for life so i need to get to <laughs> yeah totally yeah i mean i'm sure that was like a pleasant surprise did linkedin give you like a memento like a silver youtube sort of a button <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they shot me like a cold dm on linkedin and mm-hmm. i saw it and i was like is that real <laughs> uh, no way that can't be right. So I texted Amy Volas. She's an mm-hmm. advisor for Lavender. Right. So I was like, is this, is this for real? And she was like, yeah, that's for real. I was like, what? Right. That's great. <laughs> I hope you didn't say that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm an email man. I don't, I don't respond to DMs on LinkedIn. <laughs> um, no, actually their DM was like, send us your email so that we can give you more detail. Um, so that was the, um, that was the context in which the DM was. Same. Awesome. So you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna get that banner right, LinkedIn top voices. You're not gonna get that influencer tag right now, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like the uh, when you're on Twitter and they give you the little blue check mark. Right, right. Are you are you gonna get that? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> that might be the next stop. You never know. Yeah, next stop. I gotta I gotta up my Twitter game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, now now it'll be easier, right? You can leverage the influence there. Hey, you know, I just made it to the list. Follow me for insights and you know, boom. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. So Will, uh, would, you, would you please introduce to the audience, you know, uh, what do you do, what your company does? Because I'm really excited to more hear more about it. Yeah, so I'm one of the co-founders at a company called Lavender. Um, I think it's literally in my Zoom background. Right? <laughs> um, 
And what Lavender does, we help sellers rate better emails faster. And so you know, we approach that in three main ways with information on who you're reaching out to, mm-hmm. feedback on what you're saying and how you're saying it, and productivity tools baked into that so that you can get those things out faster. We see millions of emails per month. And so, you know, making a list like LinkedIn's top, et cetera, like I'm actually standing on the shoulders of our engineering team because really what I do is I share a lot of what works, what doesn't work, and it's you know supported by the millions of emails that we get to see coming in and out of our platform every month. That is interesting. So I, I do have a question and I was thinking about this the other day. So social media kind of promotes cold calling over emails. And we understand that there are merits to calling as well, right? But you have constantly promoted emails for obvious reasons. And not because you have a company built around the emails, but you generally promote email writing. Can you talk more, yeah. a little bit more about that? Yeah, um, it's, a, it's an interesting topic. A few people actually asked me about this. Um, so I don't answer cold calls. I actually recently started. And the reason was it's like, okay, everybody's talking about it. Then I should try to like get to understand it do some research here, try to see if there's any corollaries between cold email. But yeah, as far as I'm concerned, I think the connection rates, if it doesn't make sense, as far as like expenditure of time to value, I don't necessarily think you're going to like open up the conversation in a way that's better. I mean, every business is different, of course, but I look at what we do and yeah, yes, we'll integrate cold calling into how we sell eventually. But, you know, we book meetings that, you know, I put 100 prospects into an outbound campaign. We book a meeting over 12% of the time. Makes so, sense. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about the results, right? And if you can get the same meetings from email, I, yeah. I, I don't see a reason to simply make cold calls just for the heck of it, right? Right. And I think a lot of that comes back to, you know, how people have been emailing. I think the way that we email mm-hmm. is very much so like, yeah, you just send out information about what you do and you feel a one to 2% response rate. It's just like something you have running to generate awareness for maybe when you call. And yeah, I think that's a very dated approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw you know, really the, the inbox landscape has evolved massively just mm-hmm. in the past like year year and a half where since the the start of this pandemic mm-hmm. we've seen email traffic go up some like 100 and can't remember the exact numbers like 130 150 percent mm-hmm. yet reply rates have gone down dramatically and so what that means is you know people like you people in the decision making you know seat they've been overwhelmed with how much information they have to sort through. Their inbox is not you know, the same as a salesperson's inbox. Their inbox is truly an inbox, whereas a salesperson's inbox is really more of an outbox. You, know, you think about what they're looking for, they're looking for names that they recognize, threads that they recognize, they're trying to get to their to-do list items. And all of these inbound messages are really just interruptions that they have to triage through. And so if you follow me, I talk a lot about inbox triage, which is the process in which your email is being received. You know, the key thing for folks to understand is your email is actually not being read for comprehension. It's being read for categorization. The average amount of time that somebody's reading your email 
about 11 seconds. And so, you know, most emails are not written for an 11 second reading time. They're written for, you know, a minute to two minutes. At the start of the pandemic, that actually worked fine. You could write a 250 word email and your chance of response really wouldn't drop off compared to if you wrote a 50 word email. That's changed. And we've actually seen it in the data where like basically month over month, that like length of email gets shorter and shorter, the ones that get positive replies. Um, and so now like the upper limits is like 100 to 110 words, where if you're starting to go past 30 second reading time, we see reply rates drop off. And it's just like over and over again, we continue to see shorter winning. And it's because there's so much traffic going out. There's mm -hmm. so many people trying to sort through their inbox. And if you make it easy on them, they tend to reward you. Totally. Um, I mean, I was just yesterday, I was on a podcast with somebody who we were talking about coaching, how the attention span is not more than eight seconds. We were comparing the human mind to dolphins, right? The whole, the whole analogy. Yeah. And we you're talking about 30 seconds. That's even more. I mean, if you think about it, and we, if you're talking about like emails, which are like one minute worth read, you're not going to get it. And well, in that, in that 11 seconds, there's actually a breakdown of time. So mm -hmm. the first three seconds, they don't really read anything. They look at the formatting and they look at like, they look for key indicators of what this thing is. So they're, they're basically just trying to like figure out what is this so that I can get onto what do I do next? So we see a huge like deletion drop off after three seconds where they're mm -hmm. basically just deciding, am I going to ignore slash delete this or am I going to actually read it? Then there's eight seconds of skipping. No, no, I, I get what you're saying. I think Justin also talked about that in the tech powered sales as to how human mind complements, how human minds read from left to right, right? And yep. the whole thing. So I think what you're saying uh, totally makes sense. I'd like to probably add one aspect to it, which is, and this is something which I was reading, I don't know which book was it, which is, if you think about it, email is the cheapest form of communication, right? So mm -hmm. if you're making more calls, you're paying your um, provider like more money based on the minutes you're using. But when you're sending more emails, your provider is technically not charging you. So people are more prone to, you know, everybody is doing it because it's cheap, right? Now, what you're saying is your company can actually help people break through the noise, make their email read, write better emails, and eventually get better results, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think what you're getting at here is like, it's almost like a game theory, right? Of if I'm going to not get charged, to send more emails and I see a one, two, three percent response rate, why not just crank the volume? Exactly. Up? Yeah. Sure. That makes sense until you start running into deliverability issues. That makes sense until you start burning the total addressable market that you can go after because all of a sudden they stop having a positive association with your brand. I think about one brand in particular that um, sells enrichment software. Mm -hmm. I hear from their reps all the time and I get very templated messages from them. Mm -hmm. I've talked to several reps at that company. I hear from different reps. It's starting to burn the potential that I would want to work with them. And it's like, people don't necessarily see that when they're on the other side, but they feel it when they're getting the messages. Now, it's not that you know, writing these good emails, personalizing has to take a ton of time. It's just about building a process and building a framework for how you go after it. And so like one of the processes is like just from an operations perspective, 
mm-hmm. making sure you actually build segmentation into what you do. So like, instead of just building out a list of VPs of sales with, you know, 50 to 200 sales reps, like actually comb down into like, okay, this is a group of VPs that use X technology. This is mm-hmm. a group of VPs that have been SDRs before. This is a group of VPs that um, live in a certain geographic location. Like you can get pretty simple with it, but it's just taking that extra step and then providing a process to the rep where here's the type of information to look for. Here's the order in which you should go look for it. In the event that you don't find it, here's an effective fallback option. And just like coach these things into how you do outbound. Um, you're going to have a lot more success. Um, one of the things that I tell managers a lot is, you know, instead of just handing an SDR a template, particularly when they're onboarding and they're ramping up, give them a framework and force them to figure it out. And once they've figured it out, then give them the template that they can go and like scale off of. Because what we find over and over again is like reps aren't getting that segmentation up front. And so the mm-hmm. reasons to reach out, and there's a lot of variability in why they should be reaching out. And so all of a sudden they have to like change. And then now they're editing the template at like a high degree. And if they had the framework in place beforehand, they would quickly know, okay, here's how I should write that versus trying to Frankenstein some weird template and then don't waste too much time. So there's, there's a lot of things that you can do. I'm like getting into the weeds of it, but you know, really what it comes down to is like these things around personalization don't have to be so time consuming. You know, writing good email doesn't have to be this like arduous task. The other thing to think about is like, um, you know, having a fallback option. So I mentioned just like five minutes to do a little research. You know, uh, I believe the latest sales off data is like, if you do that research and you show me no one, you're going to get a 250% increase in response rate on that cold email. So like the time is well spent. Now it's about, you know, giving them an effective fallback option that reflects best practices as to what actually people want to read. Not the thing that worked in 2016, which is like, you know, hello, you look similar to um, you know, clients that I've seen before, we help them with the following features. You know, here's seven things that we do and the benefits associated. Um, if you're open to learning more, let's find a 30 minute time window to discuss next week. 30 and, minutes. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, and I'm being like generous with like how wordy that email probably actually reads because there's probably words like flexibility, visibility, and, you know, end to end solution points and, all sorts of get the best AI on the planet, et cetera. And mm. <laughs> people don't realize when they send that, like the prospect doesn't care whatsoever, right? Like you're meeting them in their to-do list. Imagine if like it's your Saturday morning and you're in the midst of your you know, honey to-do list trying to like get things done. And someone's like, hey, check out this really cool software. Like, that has nothing to do with what's going on in my life right now. <laughs> I can't care, you know? I've now got to translate all these things that you do back to my problems. 
and try to figure out, is that something that I want to do? Most buyers aren't going to take that time. Totally. I think um, some other thing that you said, you know, um, I think we all learn things the hard way. I mean, when I started probably in SDR, I would probably do the same thing where I would have a template, uh, you know, which I will and I would use the template to send to everybody irrespective of the persona. Then later we figured out, OK, you know what? There are different personas. Now segment them based on persona, then segment them based on problems or hierarchy or whatever. But yeah. yeah, I mean, what you're saying is right. I think there are there would be so many companies even right now who would probably be thinking because that's how they grew up writing emails. That's how they were kind of trained, right? Yeah, I think that that's definitely great. So let's dive into the f fact where you were talking about uh, where you can talk more about the basics of email writing. So let's assume that today is my first day as an SDR. Okay, mm -hmm. I have not been trained or I have been trained for very informally about few basics or where where I've been provided templates from the company. How would I go about writing a good email? So you haven't been trained. First set of questions that I would ask you is, sure. you know, have you talked internally? Mm -hmm. Have you talked to other SDRs? Have you talked to the AEs? And have you talked to customer success? And the questions that I'd be asking them are, what's the typical status quo mm -hmm. that you know, our buyer is dealing with when they meet us? You know, what are the problems that they're facing? And how do we solve it? And I would be trying to filter through like the feature names. I'd be trying to filter through the like fluffy phrases around like, well, we give them a transparent data environment to uh, blah, blah, blah. I would just like stop and be like, what does that mean? Right? Because what you're trying to understand, you're mm -hmm. trying to start to know your stuff. You know, think about like, think about if you're like going to see your family and they ask you like what you do. Like you're not going to explain it that way. You're not going to explain it in this almost like cringy language of like, yes, we provide data architectures for, you know, <laughs> so that they can um, have flexible transparency across their data environments. Like your parents would look at you like you have four eyes because no one knows what that means. Like the argument is like, well, you're building credibility with your buyer. Um, and I'd argue it's false. Because what we see over and over again is the complexity of your writing kills mm -hmm. your response rate. It's like the number one thing that impacts your score in our product. So like we score your email for how likely it's going to respond. These big words, long phrases, like they just crush reply rates. And so figuring out how to speak about it like a normal person is such a crucial thing when you're getting into the job so that you can actually have a conversation with someone like a human being, because you're going to want to default as a newer rep. What we see over and over again is you're going to want to default back to, particularly in the state of like discomfort, back to more academic writing because it's how you were taught how to write. And so you'll want to default back to these things. Like, I hope this finds you well, you know, like lean into this, like more formal language because you're reaching out to a executive or a decision maker and you're like, I'm, I'm just an SDR, right? Like I should be, you know, trying to, you know, speak to the good graces or, you know, try to like get, get their attention by building credibility, these big words. And like, it, it's very counterintuitive but you need to talk to them like they're a peer. It's a very much so peer-to-peer -peer conversation that requires a level of discomfort when you're first getting started because it's, it's not comfortable being like, hey, 
imagine you're struggling with the following thing. We could help you with our solution. Is that something that sounds of interest? Mm-hmm. Because that's like, it's not how you were trained in school to write. You were trained in school to be comprehensive. You were trained in school to explain. You are also rewarded for using more complicated language. Academia raises up, you know, the intellectual, you know, bar for what you should be like putting out there. Right? It should be like mentally stimulating for the professor to read through. And I get that, but <laughs> in cold email, it doesn't work. In fact, it, it does the opposite. And it's mm-hmm. because of this triage that it's the case. It's because they're spending 11 seconds trying to categorize it. And if they see the big words, if they see the you know, requests for 15 or 30 minutes, they quickly snap and they go, oh, this is yet another sales email. They see the formal yeah. language and they say, ah, this is an SDR. Or even worse, they think this SDR didn't actually write this. It came out of the marketing engine and just got sent. And thusly, I don't really care to respond. Exactly. So, um, Will, what I'm hearing is before you start learning, and this is, I think, my ideology as well, you have, to, you have a lot of unlearning to do. You have to know that what are the things which are going to harm you more than, than it can actually benefit you. Then there is, of course, the whole thing about burning the tam in case you go too fast. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, keep that in mind. And I think as far as you said about learning and you know talking about the language you know the kind of words which which they use uh can i add and correct me if i'm wrong so because there will be few cases there will be few startups let's say when you don't have a customer success team and you are you're just you know there's one ae who's doing everything from you know uh, who's doing the whole full cycle right including the customer success yeah uh if you have g2 reviews you know you can always go and read g2 reviews is that is that something which you recommend yeah, um, I, I would absolutely recommend you bake that into your personalization process, too. I think about the places that are gold mines for writing a personalized email careers page is an awesome place to go because yeah. you'll see what they are hiring for, which means, you know, say I'm hiring for a uh, head of customer success mm-hmm. means I'm trying to offload a lot of those responsibilities. I mean, that might be a pain point. Or say we already have a SDR manager in place and we're hiring a new one and you're reaching out to SDR managers. Well, that role, the day-to-day responsibilities are going to be outlined in that job post. Holy cow, if I'm trying to meet them in their to-do list, that's like a perfect spot to go check out and be like, okay, I imagine you're struggling with X, so it's part of your day-to-day responsibilities. You know, there's nothing wrong with calling out where you got your research from. Same with G2 reviews, right? If you're seeing folks complain about the same thing, you've obviously identified a pain point. Or if you see folks praising the same thing, mm-hmm. you've identified, you know, something like you can kind of stroke their ego a bit and be like, you know, I was checking out your reviews on G2 and, you know, continued to see people praise your customer support function. It's clearly something you invest in. And then you can ask a question around like, is, I'm assuming you're selling something like uh, a catalyst or, your, or a customer support software in general, but there's plenty out there. And it's like, you know, how, are, how have you approached X specific task, right? You know, that just little layer of doing some work to say like, hey, kind of get you, I get your business in a way, really stands out. Um, uh- 
Well, I have a follow-up question, and this is more to do a little bit about the lavender as well. So I understand, and I'm sure anybody who's uh, starting to write emails for the first time, your your tool kind of enables them to write better emails, right? Uh, from where I come from and from where I see, and uh, where, where I, what I can infer is that you're gonna give me those nudges, okay? Every time, hey, uh, because you're giving me that score, complexity score, hey, your email is too complex, can you make it simple? It's something what Grammarly does to me, for example, right now, and that is how I was able to make better writing, have, you know, get better at my writing. So anytime I see a sentence now, which is ending with a preposition or something like that, I immediately, you know, see, okay, you know what? There's a problem with the sentence. Can you, can you just change the sentence and not have the sentence end with the preposition? So I think what you're trying to do is uh, nudge that behavior on a daily basis and hence making people, you know, uh, write better emails. Even let's say there are times when they don't have, for example, uh, your software at one point of time that they're writing, let's say maybe on the go, I don't know if you have a mobile app or something. But so is, is that the whole idea of the lavender, if I'm getting right? Um, you're touching on some of it. The, the ending of sentence of the preposition is actually a funny uh, <laughs> example because I would argue that it doesn't actually matter. What matters is what correlates back to you getting deals won. So if you finishing a sentence with the words, you know, before, of, after, whatever, you know, just get positive response, like, Go for it. I was talking to someone the other day about an acronym I use, keep it stupid simple, which is you know, obviously about complexity, but he pointed out that keep it stupid simple is actually grammatically incorrect. And I was like, kind of the point, because it should be keep it stupidly simple. Um, and like <laughs> figuring out a place to cut to, you know, you still comprehend it the exact same way, but I found a place where I can cut a piece of that writing and still get the same level of, you know, response. I, I've got like a, a presentation that I show where I show one of the fallback options that we use. Mm -hmm. And I, we do it as part of onboarding. We coach folks up and we show them how to write emails. I've got this email, it's a part of it, it's a fallback option. And there's a blatant grammatical error in the first sentence. There's like very much so. And I have onboarded, you know, hundreds at this point, you know, thousands have probably seen the deck. Literally, I think one, maybe two people have called out that grammar error. Everyone else is just a pretty good email. <laughs> yeah, because, email, uh, email, yeah, sorry, as I say, the email gets a 10% response rate. <laughs> I think it gets at something broader that we're trying to do, which is we're trying to take these linguistic trends, you right. know, these trends in how you write, and just tie them back to what's driving success for your business. Exactly. So, you know, as you use our product, it actually learns how you write, mm -hmm. but it also learns how your customers like to be written too. And so your scoring starts to adjust and it starts to fluctuate. Um, say you're using a tool like a sales opt or an outreach, we can actually plug in on the backside mm -hmm. and like supercharge that out of the get go. Yeah, it takes about a hundred emails for us to start to get a sense for your writing style. But, you know, we're finding over and over that we can double response rate pretty much on the average. Now, this was uh, this was pretty interesting. Well, I'm pretty sure anybody who will listen to this can definitely understand so much. And if I were an SDR and I would have got probably Lavender five years back, I'm sure my email writing would be much better. <laughs> but yeah, better <laughs> late than never. Um, we have uh, some time left and if that's OK, can we do like a quick rapid fire? Yeah, of course. All right. Awesome. 
All right. You have five seconds to answer. You, you have an option to pass the question in case you don't like it. Okay. Okay. All right. Got it. All right. One person who you think deserves to be on LinkedIn top voices, but you think it wasn't just one person. Uh, I've got two. So I was going to do Christina Fenseth, who's my sales hacker, yeah. uh, also an advisor at Lavender, and then Jed Marl over at PandaDoc. I agree. All right. Your favorite company other than Lavender? Um, pass. <laughs> I had to think about that. Come back to me. No one has answered that till, till today, so I, I know what you're saying. All right. Your least favorite cake flavor? Ooh. Um, like vanilla pound cake. Super like bland. <laughs> All right. Best compliment you've ever gotten? Best compliment I've ever gotten is probably around just the fact that I've been helpful. Awesome. Yeah, that, that's, that's super cool. Your favorite TV show? Favorite TV show? Like all time or right now? Oh, let's, let's go for right now. Right now, The Expanse. All right. Your least favorite, favorite TV show? <laughs> wow. There's plenty of trash out there. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping a lot of SDRs are going to reach out to you, you know, to personalize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, Let's see, least favorite TV show. Um, uh, probably something like Tiger King. Okay. One of the biggest problems you have right now as a CEO? Mm. Biggest problem I have right now as a CEO is there's a lot going on with our product. You know, helping people write better emails is mm -hmm. a big task. And so getting people to experience the entirety of what the product does mm -hmm. has been our biggest challenge. Right. You, you mean the customer success or the onboarding part? You, you mean that, that part? Um, we haven't quite figured out which, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> to be frank, <laughs> but we're working on some things right now around the onboarding that we hope will self like do some course correction. And then if those don't do the course correction, we've got plans around UI UX that we think will. Sounds good. All right. Awesome. I think that was the end of it. You did great. And you're going to get a hamper. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate you having me on, man. You've been listening to the Sales Spin Podcast, the only sales podcast from India that focuses on helping people get into sales and help the ones who are already in sales reach to the next level. 